So I actually, um, I will not be preaching on the anointing tonight. <laughs> it's like six, six weeks in a row almost. Um, we're going we're to start a new series, and I honestly don't know how, how long we're going to do it. And I know, um, I know, I say I know, I felt like I heard from the Lord. Thank you. Matthew 7. And um, I'm going to read. We'll go Matthew 7. It's really cool. You sang from Psalm 1 just a moment ago, too, and let it rain, because I'm going to hit that as well. And, uh, and then we'll end up in Genesis 1, I think, by the end of the night. So uh, Matthew 7, starting with verse 16, it says, You'll know them by their fruits. Grapes, grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit. But the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, so then you'll know them by their fruits. Okay. So I was praying um, at Cherokee Park, and uh, it was just this amazing little spot on the very back side of it, um, down by this creek, or crick as it is growing up, what we called it. But I was praying, and I was asking the Lord, I said, Lord, you know, um, if I'm honest, I have been frustrated the last few weeks, and, and it wasn't anything in particular. I just um, was more agitated. <laughs> I'm not, a, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really get agitated. I was agitated, frustrated. I was quick, tempered. Um, and, and a lot of that is my own... Uh, stuff that I've wrestled with most of my life. Um, I've always been a goal-orientated person, and when things take longer to accomplish than you think they should, it just get like this. And, uh, and so as they're praying, as they're praying, I'm like, Lord, we want to bear fruit. And he's like, well, he's like, I felt like the Lord said you are. And I was like, well, but I want this kind of fruit. And the Lord's like, it's not up to you what kind of fruit. You're a, you're, it's up to you just be faithful. <laughs> but that being said... I did feel like that as I was praying, I said, Lord, you know, we want to be the type of people that bear good fruit. Because no matter what, we're producing fruit. You either produce good or you produce bad. And if you're a good tree, you're going to produce good. And if you're a bad tree, you'll produce bad. And it's impossible for a good tree to produce bad fruit and vice versa. It's impossible for a bad tree to produce good fruit. And so, um, so anyway, so I was praying that to praying a lot about the fruit, and, and I desperately desire our church to be just this hub of revival in our city and, and denomination, and, and a lot of revival, it really does depend on the sovereignty of the Lord, like, we, we, it, it really does. We sing, let it rain, that's a sovereign outpouring of the Holy Spirit, because there's nothing I can do, it doesn't matter how hard I worship, how hard I sing, how much I pray, um, Rain, that's the Lord. It's up to him to send that, right? And, 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 and I think with revival, I think sometimes we say it's only up to God. And, and while that is true, I do believe that a lot of it is actually up to us. And that's us making that decision that we are going to be a good tree. We're going to do the things that we need to do. We're going to be faithful with what we've been given. And we're going to ask the Lord to begin to pour his spirit out. Verse 16, it says, you know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from bushes, nor fig trees uh, uh, from thistles, are they? But verse 16, it says, you will know. 
the phrase you will know or will know means recognize or be full of knowledge. So if someone's bearing good fruit, you should be able to tell. Now, you should be able to tell in the sense that it may not look like what we think success is, all these types of things, but you're going to see the fruit of their life. You're going to see what follows them. That's actually Mark 16. These signs will follow, but, but you'll see evidence from their life. And it says you'll know them, you'll recognize them by their fruits. Fruits, it does mean fruit. <laughs> it means produce. It means crops. It actually means this as well, something produced from the energy of a living organism. So you will know them by whatever is produced by how they live their life, okay? Obviously, we're living organisms. The church is a living organism. And so people will know us by what we are producing because we are living. This means, I believe it's this, that, that this means that we don't have to even announce that we're fruitful. Shouldn't, by the way. This means that Someone should be able to see how the Lord's moving in our lives. And if he sees how, if they see how he is moving in our lives, they'll recognize that as God must be moving in them and through them. Okay? And, and so, um, I love bragging on the Lord. But there's a fine line between bragging on the Lord and saying, look at what we're doing too. All right. So, all I have to say this. Every good tree bears good fruit, verse 17. This really will get encouraging. So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. And a good tree can't produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. It says, so every good tree, every means all kinds of varieties, the whole thing. Good is profitable, beneficial. It actually means a good tree is a benevolent tree, meaning that it's charitable, meaning that it's full of well-being and kindness, and that its disposition is to do good. And so if we're a good tree, our disposition is to do good. And, and, and as a church, our disposition should be we worship the Lord and we want to do good in our city to win people to Jesus because that's real, realistically what it's about, right? Yes. Bad tree. We're bad. If we say bad tree, it means that it's a rotten tree. <laughs> say our kids are rotten. It's something a little different. But it means it's rotten. It means it has... Absolutely no value, actually, is what the phrase bad tree means. It means that it's corrupt and that it's actually worthless. And so a worthless tree produces worthless fruit. We could say this. <laughs> oh, I'm not calling us worthless, but I'm saying that if we're producing worthless fruit, then we probably need to say, God, you need to do something in my heart, right? All right. So if a good tree makes good fruit... I want to be the type of tree that is so good that I continually bear good fruit. The same thing for our church. Now, it'd be weird to expect something good if something was bad. Actually, it says that right there in verse 17. It'd be weird to expect something good if something was bad. And, and, and if that's the case, how do we make something good? All right, so now we get into the fun part. Psalm 1. We actually just sang this a moment ago, and I've taught on this uh, psalm plenty of times before because it's, it's turned into a life psalm. But Psalm 1 says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit at the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree 
firmly planted by streams of water, which yield fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. I love that. So if I delight in the law of the Lord, I'm going to be blessed. It actually says that we will be like a tree, and we could insert the phrase good tree right here, all right? We could be like a good tree, firmly planted, which means transplanted, and I've taught this before. Firmly planted means that it was right here, but it made a conscious decision to be planted right here. It's like when we give our life to Jesus, we were in the kingdom of darkness. We've made a decision to get planted next to him in the kingdom of his marvelous light. It's a conscientious decision to say, my roots are going to draw from this source as opposed from this source. Okay? <coughs> and actually, and I didn't look this up until this week, but it's firmly planted by streams of water. The word by is really amazing. I never really looked at it. it by means, obviously, by, next, near. It could mean over, but it actually means against. And against in the sense that it's putting pressure against whatever it is planted by. So it would be like this, that a good tree bears fruit, and it'll be like a tree planted up against the streams of living water. We could look at it like this, I guess, that we can make the decision to live in proximity to the, in the presence of God or near God, and we could just say, I'm going to live so close to you that it's actually going to be like I'm leaning up against God. It would be like, what would it be like? It'd be like Mary at Jesus' feet. And that actually means that she was at his feet, but it means that she was pressed up against his feet. It'd be like John the Beloved who had his head pressed up against Jesus' chest when they were reclining at the table. It's saying that I'm going to live my life in this position pressed up against God. I'm going to get as close as I can. Right? Those with space issues, you may not necessarily like being touched by people, <laughs> but you're going to press up against God, all right? Oh, man, I love it. Absolutely love it. So we'll be like a tree that's made this decision to be planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and whatever he does he prospers man what would it look like well I'm getting ahead of myself it says it'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of living water which yields fruit in its season I've taught this right here in its season is a poor translation it actually means continually it will bear fruit perpetually. In other words, there never will be a time that fruit is not being produced if the tree is planted by the water. It means that there is no time of getting all of our preparation done. It means it's going to bear fruit, 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 it's going to bear fruit. Why? Because it's planting extra streams of water. And the next phrase actually proves it. It says that its leaf does not wither. Well, how can you produce something if your leaf withers? You can't. And whatever he does, he prospers. So here, here's what I, I believe. And here's what I was praying this week, is that us as a people, as a church, Friday nights, Sundays, 
that we would live in such close proximity to God that we would say, you know, Yahweh, we're going to get so close to you. One, because you're worth it. And two, because we actually desire to bear fruit all the days of our life. Not just occasionally. Not just occasionally, God. Like we want to live in this lifestyle with you where we are continuing to see you move. Like, and we've, you've heard me say this before that so oftentimes in the church we say, God, would you move? 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 And sometimes rain comes or sometimes fruit falls off of the tree because we shook it so hard. We worked ourselves to death. And, and, and that would be the equation of seeing someone get saved, someone baptized, someone healed, someone delivered, someone set free, someone was encouraged because of effort. But what if, and I think we should do those things, but what if we didn't just occasionally see someone come to faith in Christ? We didn't just occasionally see someone get healed, delivered, sanctified, set free. But what if we got so planted and rooted next to him that the streams of water just brought the fruit continually, 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 continually. Instead of falling, it began to flow. Like, that's what I desire for this. That's what I desire. That's what I desire for my kids. That's what I desire for you, Jonathan. It's, it's just what I desire to see the Lord move all the days of our life. And it happens when we get planted next to him. And, and I believe it's his will that we're fruitful. <laughs> I actually, it is. Yes. He wants to use us. He actually desires to bless his children. He wants to bless us so that we can bless others. And he really just wants us to bring him honor and glory. So when we talk about fruit, fruit isn't, <laughs> bearing fruit isn't trying hard to bear fruit. Bearing good fruit, I believe, is a proximity issue, if you will. Bearing fruit is getting near to God and just staying right there all the days of our life. Love it. It's a proximity issue. James 4 8, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Draw near means to come near, means to approach, it actually means to be close spatially. And so it was like when we talked about Moses the other day that, that he actually, like the Lord speaks to some prophets in dreams and visions, but Moses, he spoke to mouth to mouth, face to face. It's drawing close to the Lord. And as we do that, he begins to move. It's interesting that draw near to God, it's, it's the same language that was used. It's actually the same language that was used in Leviticus where the priest would draw near to the presence of God and make sacrifices. And so it's almost as if we draw near to him and he draws near to us. But it's almost like it's a sacrifice to come near it's one thing to give him worship and praise, but it's another thing to enter into his courts and get into his presence. And so things happen when we get into proximity of, with God. So if you will, uh, let's look at Genesis chapter 1. This will actually probably be a, I say quick evening. It may be a quick evening. Revel, uh, Revelation 1. Uh, I'm not preaching from Revelation, and I promise. It's all revelation. It is. <laughs> it is. I'm just not going to stand up here and say, 
Well, Jesus, rescue me from this planet. Hmm. Yeah, anyway, the Left Behind movie did just demolish the church and that stuff. Anyway. All right. (laughs) Proximity to God. If we could get say in proximity to him, be near to him, we will begin to bear fruit, and I'm going to kind of reverse engineer this on how we end up bearing fruit. But it actually brings chaos into order. Look at Genesis 1. Love this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. In verse 3, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. It says, In the beginning, the earth was formless and void. Formless and void, it means that the earth was full of emptiness. It, it, it could be translated as wilderness. It was just this wild, empty <laughs> mess of a place, if you will. And it says that the Spirit of God was hovering, was moving over the waters, which actually means hovering over the waters. It actually means that the Spirit of God was, was, was trembling over the waters. It could be, and by trembling, not with fear, but with anticipation. He was hovering over this chaos and over this emptiness. It actually means he was quivering. It actually could mean this too. It says moving could be a word that means like superintending. In other words, he was stewarding and watching and guarding and protecting over these waters. It refers to brooding with anticipation. So he's almost giddy with excitement. It's the same word that was used in Deuteronomy 32.11, which says this, like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that hovers over its young, he spreads his wings and he caught them and he carried them on his pinions or he carried them on his feathers. So here's this picture and, and Deuteronomy of this mother eagle spreading her wings over her children to protect them, to hold over them, to, to just be over top of them and around them and hover with anticipation, excitement as her children begin to grow. It's the same type of phrase that's going on right here. As it says the Spirit of God was moving above the waters. And, and this moving above the waters, it's, I think it's this picture of complete and utter chaos and the Lord's just... The Spirit of God is just waiting for the Father to release the words, let there be. And as he says, let there be, <laughs> that chaos gets brought into order. I think this is really important because sometimes it's really hard to bear good fruit because our life is a complete and utter train wreck sometimes it feels like. At least mine is. You all, like Jesus' is second cousin tonight, so... <laughs> you guys are good. Sometimes life is problematic, it's chaotic, and it's out of order. But as we draw close to him, it actually attracts him to say, oh, their life is a mess right now. 
And this is what we've been holding on to is like their life is a mess. This is out of order. This is in chaos. This is messy. And so what am I going to do? I'm actually drawn to it because I'm waiting for them to begin to agree with heaven and start to declare the word of the Lord over the situation or waiting for the Lord of the Lord to be released over the situation because the spirit of God is ready to bring honor and glory to God when in whatever situation that is. And so he's just waiting. And so I think this, I think that if we're in a mess, we just need to begin to praise God because we're about that close for the spirit of God to go and begin to release breakthrough in that situation because he's attracted to it. How do we do that? Draw near to him and he draws near to us. James 4, 8. The propensity is this. And, and, and let me say this, the propensity. I'll say after my own pastoral experience and my own life experience, when things get hard, you know what I do? I, like, I, per, I shut myself off. I do. I shut myself off. I don't want to answer my phone. I don't want to answer my text. I won't, answer my, I won't be left alone. I won't be left alone. I don't want to talk to no one. I want to do nothing. I want to be left alone. And... The problem is with that, that we then start to feel sorry for ourselves, and then it's almost like we begin to push away from the Lord. And as we wallow in self-pity sometimes, we don't spend that time pressing in the heart of God. And the very thing that we need to do to see breakthrough come, we do the antithesis and the opposite of it. The Lord says, draw near to me. I think the harder life gets, the more we actually need to press into him. When we're tired, when we're frustrated, when we're filled with doubt, anxiety, and worry, even if you don't feel like it, that's the most difficult thing. Is It doesn't matter what I feel like, he's still the same, he's still good. You can't talk me out of that. And even if I don't feel like it, and this is, this is where it really does take effort, because if I don't feel like it, if I'm not feeling good, like, it's hard to sometimes pick this up and spend time in it, if I'm, if I'm honest, right? And then if I pick it up, and I start, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void. I'm like, I hadn't talked to such and such for a long time. <laughs> or, or, I wonder what's in my bank account today, right? Like, think stuff like that. Or I wonder, I wonder if my check cleared the bank. I think like stuff like that pops in my head when I most don't want to do that, right? And, and what happens when we do this, again, I think it prolongs breakthrough because we're doing the opposite of what actually leads to breakthrough, and that's pressing into the heart of God. All right. Hmm. I think that if we would lean into the Spirit of God and say, it's chaotic and it's messy, I think that he's just waiting for the Lord to say, let there be in whatever situation it is. It's like right now, I'm, I'm thinking of you all, I'm thinking of the rights, and I'm thinking of the reddicks right now. It's like, Lord, let there be an offer on these three homes. <laughs> right? Let there be, God. Because, <laughs> I, I mean, it's chaotic, it's stressful, it's everything else. It's like, Lord, would you just begin to do that? And I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that you all have done something to keep it from selling. I'm saying we just want the Lord to set, release that word, okay? That's what we want. We want Reddick's, Lord, let there be a job for Bob. Let there be. And so we're just going to keep pressing in. All right. Proximity to God 
It brings order to the chaos, and it actually, actually brings clarity to situations as well. When we get into the presence of God, it brings clarity. He's, Deuteronomy 29, 29 says that, oh man, basically says that the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things that he reveals to sons and daughters belong to them forever. And in other words, he discloses and brings clarity to situations or ask for wisdom and he will give it to you. Um, one of the things that happens when we find ourselves in chaos and order, it's we're like, I don't know what to do. And so what do we do? Uh, again, so many people will pick up their phone and call 20 people and say, could you pray for me or could you give me advice? And I, and I think that's a good thing. But I think sometimes we probably wouldn't have to make near as many phone calls if we'd say, God, what do you want me to do? Because <laughs> I think he would tell us. All right, look at verse 3. It says, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Which is really amazing, by the way. Here's this God that says, let there be something, and there is something. All right. That's not even in the sermon. That's just really neat stuff. God saw that the light was good, pleasant, desirable, and God separated the light from the darkness. Hmm. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and then there was evening, and there was morning one day. So good, he said the light was good, desirable. We want light. We want the good, right? And he called the darkness, darkness actually means the absence of light or the absence of good, if you will. The absence of illumination, it could be translated as misery, destruction, sorrow, or even ignorance. So if someone's in darkness, they're living in ignorance, essentially what, what this word is saying. So the separating of light and darkness was God's first official way of setting things in order. He says the Spirit of God was hovering over the chaos, and he saw it waiting with anticipation. He said, let there be light, and he saw the light was good, and he's like, there's light, and there's dark, and it's all intermingled. I don't know what that really looks like, but it was a mess. And he says, let's separate these two things together. The very first thing that God does is he brings order to the chaos. And if we would press into the heart of God and live in proximity to him, he begins to bring order to our lives. And, and, and I just think that's absolutely amazing. So many of us, we go through our lives with no order. What do I mean by that? We're just this and this and this all over. About fell, got dizzy all over and we start making our own decisions based off of logic and while I think we do have need logic and common sense I think we need to ask the Lord Proverbs, Proverbs 14 12 there is a way that seems right to man but in its end is the way of death in other words <coughs> sometimes we get so frustrated and there's chaos and we need to figure out what to do. And rather than ask him, we just do something. And we actually make it worse than it was to begin with. All right. Proximity leads to clarity. And clarity leads to correct decisions in order. And point number three. Proximity to God actually begins to bring forth fruit. 
And that's the whole point of tonight. Look, at, look ahead, look at verse 11. Well, you know, the next few verses, I, I'll probably talk about them again sometime soon because I've been just really, uh, Genesis 1, 2, and 3, just been in it and in it and in it. Verse 11, it says, Then God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them. Love that. And it was so. <laughs> the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed after their own kind, and trees bearing fruit with seed in them after their own kind, and God saw that it was good. So because God had brought order, and because God had brought clarity, fruit can begin to manifest. Because God brought order, right? He's hovering, he's waiting over the mess, and he brings clarity, he separates the good from the bad, and once the good from the bad is separated, fruit can begin to be released. That's what's going on right here. It says that they will bear fruit with their seed in them. <sighs> and, and the most basic explanation of this is that the Lord desires fruit that bears fruit, that bears fruit, that bears fruit, that bears fruit. Meaning that we're to bear fruit that bears fruit, that bears fruit, that bears fruit. We look at it like this, and this is why it's part of our vision of the church, is that Christians, or let's say it like this, disciples make disciples. And so if a church is a collection or a company of disciples, then we could be, we could be able to say, I believe, that a church makes churches, right? Disciples make disciples. And a bunch of disciples make a church, and so a church, a company of disciples, ought to make another company of disciples. And so it's, it's that premise, it's that we produce after our own kind. And, and you'll see it, um, just like if you're being mentored or being discipled by someone, um, I catch myself saying like Rob McCorkle phrases a lot, or I catch myself saying Jimmy Williams phrases a lot. And it's because I spend so much time with these men and they walk through life and they do this that, that they're producing after their own kind. And I'm not just like them. I'm, I'm, I'm me. I'm Michael. I have my own quirks and my own personality. But there's things that have carried on through them that carry through me. And I'd be willing to bet that, and we're Nazarenes, probably don't bet, but I would be willing to say... <laughs> By the way, we had a, at, at, speaking of betting <laughs> or gambling, at my church in Corpus Christi, Texas, someone put a lottery, t a scratch-off ticket in the offering plate. <laughs> and, and I didn't know what to do. Like, what, they brought it to me, kind of brought it to me and said, what, what do we do with this, Pastor? It's like a $50 scratch-off. And I was like, what do, I don't know what to do. And so I called one of my pastor friends I really respect. And he said, take the devil's money all day long and take it to the bank. <laughs> But I have to talk with those people and say, you probably shouldn't play that anymore. But anyway, <laughs> you know, I told you that. But uh, it's one of my favorite stories. Oh, but I'd be willing to say that the people that have poured into to Rob or to Jimmy, that, that's carried through them and it's been carried through me. It's the same thing with our kids and our grandkids. 
right? Like, <laughs> I probably have my mom's quirkiness, um, which is the truth. And she, I know she has her mother's quirkiness, okay? I didn't know my great-grandmother, so I don't know, but I know that that has went through the family line, <laughs> right? And it's the same thing. He has it as well. <laughs> and so it just gets passed through, yes. And so uh, it's the same thing. But he, and now, on the other hand, he has his mother's disposition and his mother's sensitivity to people. It gets passed through. So we begin to beget what we have. Now, it says, after their kind, and, and all things, again, reproduce what they are. Which means that if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and our church is filled with the Holy Spirit, we're going to begin to see the Lord move. Now, this is what I want to set us free of, though. Like, I think we need to be leading people to Jesus. That's just a mandate. By the way, have you thought about the Great Commission has been messing with me recently, too? It says, therefore, go and make disciples of the nations. I always ignore that part. I always say, therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything that I've taught you, and lo, I'm with you always. It actually says, go and make disciples of the nations. And I think, oh my goodness, right? Like, how do you, like, the Lord actually wants us to win so many people, it begins to shift nations. That's crazy when you think about it. But anyway, as individuals, we want to bear good fruit. And we want the church to bear good fruit. And the only way that will happen is if we live in the presence of God. And that means that no matter what's going on, that we lean into the heart of God. That means that we ask God to bring clarity to our situations. That means that we ask, invite him into our messes. By the way, I don't, I don't understand this either. Like if our life is a mess, like he sees everything anyway. You're not going to hide it from him. It's like, oh, I'm going to talk to him about this because it's like growing up when I knew I was in trouble and if my dad would have found out or if I would have talked to him, I'm like, I'm just going to not include him in this. Situation. Don't do that. But don't do that. You know, I'm not going to talk to dad about these things or talk to mom about these things because maybe if we don't address them, it's going to be okay. And when I get in trouble, if I do something or say something, I look at now, I look at April and I'll say, no discussions, <laughs> right? Because I know what she's going to say, no discussions. And she's like, oh, there will be discussions. But, <laughs> but with the Lord, he sees everything, and he knows everything. And so why try to hide it from him? Rather, let's just bring it to him and let him bring order to that situation, or at least clarity, right? Separate the good from the bad. Like, this is what you need to do in this stuff. You need to repent of this, or you just need to let that go, this, that, or the other. He separates it, and then we can actually begin to follow him. And then by the time he separates it, it clears the ground and clears, really, it clears the soil of our hearts to begin to produce fruit, and not just fruit. Fruit, but fruit that remains is what Jesus prayed for. Fruit that remains is fruit, again, that begins to produce fruit, produce fruit, produce fruit. So say all that. We need to live in the presence of God. And, and I, feel like, I feel like I have one sermon. <laughs> I have one message. I'm like, I don't, I don't know.
I had someone ask me, it's been about two years ago. Now, when I first came into ministry, I was doing everything I thought I needed to do. The first one in ministry, I was preaching everything I thought I needed to do. It was five ways to have a better marriage. I preached like 10 reasons why you should tithe. Like, you should have a good marriage and you should tithe, right? Like, we know that stuff. And I think a lot, a lot of these stuff people need to be taught. But then, it's like, if we would just live with awareness of the presence of God, like, those things will probably take care of themselves. It's like, I don't have to teach you to live, a, to follow these rules. If we would just live in awareness of him, it would take care of a lot of those problems. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't teach those things. I'm just saying, I feel like I have one message, and that's let's get in the presence of God and stay there, and let's remain aware of it. And so the next few, at least few weeks, we talk about living in proximity. I just like that word, that phrase. I like proximity. I like the word permission. When we're talking about this, because, you know, it's, it's one thing, if I'm, if, it's one thing if Logan and I are friends, and we are friends, it, it's one thing for me to come and to sit with him, my arm around him, and talk to him. It's one thing to do this. This probably means much more to you than me shouting across the room. And if we could learn to actually press up against that Psalms 1-3, be like a tree planted by up against the streams of water, I, I think it'd be revolutionary. And so that's what I want to pray tonight. So Jesus, we love you. We adore you. We would pray that you help us to be good trees that bear good fruit. Lord, we don't want to be a bad tree that tries to fake good fruit. We want to be good trees. And that all comes from making sure we're planted right next to the source, that we're leaned up, pressed again, up against the source, God.